Hi, this is Alana Terry. Welcome to Season 5 of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast, bringing you some full and complete and unabridged Christian fiction audiobooks to keep you encouraged and inspired. This season's audiobook is called What Dreams May Come and is narrated by Pamela Lawrence, written by me, Alana Terry, and sponsored by our COVID-19 fundraiser. So what we're doing is taking some of my ebook novels and I've bundled them up as a pay what you can product with a portion of all royalties going to support local relief efforts for COVID-19. If you want to be involved in this fundraiser, it's going to be for a limited time. You can check it out at alanaterry.com slash novels. And now enjoy today's episode of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Chapter 3 Susanna could lose herself so easily in the old hymns that she actually found herself siding with the octogenarians whenever the incendiary classics versus contemporary music debate surfaced at the Orchard Grove church business meetings. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. She could picture her Savior there, hanging on that cross, the blood on his brow like great beads of sorrow and love mingled together testifying to his mercy and grace. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. She'd grown up at Orchard Grove, listened to that old piano every Sunday for nearly two decades. There was another church on the other side of town, more contemporary, more young families. She'd tried it out a few times after graduating. Her mom had encouraged her, probably thinking Susanna's chances of finding a suitable Christian husband were better in a congregation whose average age wasn't over 75. But Susanna had always come back here. Not that Orchard Grove was perfect. They'd gone through more than their fair share of preachers over the last two decades, weathered a scandal or two. But the church still stood, its steeple pointing proudly heavenward in spite of its peeling paint and weather-worn siding. God, I feel so comfortable here that sometimes I worry I'm going to stagnate completely. That was Susanna's biggest fear. Ever since she was twelve, since the day she went on that youth retreat and heard the speaker talk about the unreached people groups of the world, she'd known she was called to the mission field. While still in junior high, Susanna had begged her mom for a set of missionary biographies and promised to write a paper about each one as part of her homeschool studies. She'd devoured those stories. God, you were so real to those people. You called them, and they followed you. It sounded simple, really, how these men and women would receive their call, obey their call, and make church history in the course of a hundred and twenty pages or less. Susanna had assumed her own life on the mission field would be that straightforward as well. What went wrong, Lord? She asked that question so many times, 
she'd stopped expecting an answer. As far as she could tell, it was an issue on which heaven would remain eternally silent. The worst part was wondering if it was somehow her own fault. Did she lack the necessary faith? Had she missed God's direction at some point along the way? Allowed other idols to replace her calling? Or maybe the Lord had given up on her, changed his mind, and decided she wasn't fit to become a missionary after all. Ere since by faith I saw the stream thy flowing wounds supply, redeeming love has been my theme, and shall be till I die. As the singing continued, Susanna sighed, ignoring the tears that streaked down her cheeks. The people at Orchard Grove were used to her emotional scenes by now. It was fitting, wasn't it, to still be crying four months later? Even if she wanted to, she couldn't stop herself, couldn't dull the ache in her heart that grew and swelled with each refrain of the familiar hymn. And shall be till I die, and shall be till I die. Sometimes she wondered if God used that last year to give her a glimpse of heaven, and then took it away, just to remind her that this world was never meant to be her home. That was one way to explain the loss, the sadness. She glanced around the sanctuary at the Christmas decorations, the pine needle arrangements on the windowsills, the holly and ivy laid over the pulpit. Had it been a full year already? She was looking for a summer mission program, nothing more, a way to test out her calling to become a full-time missionary, a chance to step out of her little Orchard Grove comfort zone, to see if she could handle the distance, the separation from her family. It was only supposed to be one little phone call, a ten-minute conversation where she could ask a few questions she had about the Kingdom Builder's mission internship. She would have never guessed it would lead to so much emptiness and confusion. God, what did I do wrong? Please tell me, so I can repent and be forgiven. Even as she prayed, the words from the hymn covered over her doubts and sorrows. She knew that after the music ended, she'd have just as many questions, but for now, she would rest in her love for her Savior no matter how silent he'd remained. She shut her eyes and lifted her hands, refusing to think about the people behind her who would probably stare. Redeeming love has been my theme, and shall be till I die. Chapter 4 Scott appreciated the extra afternoon service at St. Margaret's Church. For starters, the parking lot after the other two services was too crowded for a pedestrian who didn't want to get hit. Secondly, now Sundays were the closest thing to a true day off he'd experienced in years. Earlier that morning, after going through a few emails he knew he couldn't put off, he'd popped in his earbuds and gone on a jog, with nothing but his thoughts and his Christian rock music to keep him company. Sometimes he felt guilty, 
as if a missionary who ministered to nearly a thousand believers around the world should probably lead a more disciplined prayer life. He'd gone through spurts of praying off a list, but after a few weeks of asking God the exact same things for the exact same people, he found it impossible to keep sludging through the monotony. Besides, somewhere in the back of his head was the idea that the most effective prayers were spontaneous anyway. Whenever he went for his morning run, he set off with the best of intentions of spending that time with the Lord, but inevitably wasted his mental energy daydreaming, usually about Susanna. The music was his pitiful attempt to tune out her memory, but that was never as effective as he hoped it would be. No matter how high he turned up the volume, her voice was stuck in his head. It was there this morning when his feet pounded the pavement, sending shockwaves up his shins and radiating through his knees. It was there now when the worship band at St. Margaret's fired up their electric guitars and keyboard, when the music was so loud it surrounded him 360 degrees. Jesus, healer of my soul, comfort in my sadness. He heard the words, but all he could think about was that voice he'd listened to during those countless phone conversations. Phone conversations long enough, intense enough, that the sound of her voice would be forever trapped in his head, playing and repeating like one of his grandfather's broken records, telling him about that day when she was twelve, just a few years ago, really, when she'd received the call to become a missionary. She was one of the lucky ones, Scott's own path to the mission field was far more mundane. He was about to graduate Bible college with his two-year certificate and didn't know what to do. So his professor suggested he attend the Urbana World Missions Conference, an event bringing together tens of thousands of missions-minded college students and young adults trying to hear God's call on their lives. Scott loved the Lord had loved him ever since he was a little boy, sitting on his grandfather's knee, listening to stories about Jesus feeding the five thousand with only a couple loaves of bread and a few fish. The stories were so real, and his grandfather's faith so strong, that every time Scott caught a whiff of a certain brand of aftershave, part of his spirit was transported back to that day, when he knelt by his grandfather's bed, and asked Jesus to forgive his sins and become the Lord of his life. Son, God's going to do amazing work through you. His grandfather's voice was scratchy, strained after decades of preaching in churches and at old-fashioned tent revival meetings. So gruff for a man that soft and lovable. God's going to do amazing work through you. Maybe it was a proclamation. Maybe it was just the kind of thing adults say to kids after they ask Jesus into their hearts. Either way, Scott wished sometimes his grandfather could see him now. Childish as it might sound, he wanted to make him proud. Calm the raging storms in me. Open my eyes and help me see. The words were simplistic. Scott had never heard the song before, 
but he could join in with perfect accuracy. He wanted something deeper, something to engage his mind, distract him from those omnipresent thoughts of her. Sometimes he wondered if Susanna Peters existed at all. Was she a living, breathing person, or simply an idea, a phantom? Sometimes when the disappointment grew too raw, too painful to endure, he told himself he'd made her up completely. There is no Susanna Peters. She isn't real. After all, how well can you really know somebody who lives 3,000 miles away? No matter how many hours you spend every evening talking about missions, about theology, about the work of the Holy Spirit in your day-to-day lives, when you say goodnight and hang up that phone, you haven't been talking to flesh and blood at all. You've been fellowshipping with a figment of your imagination. Because Susanna Peters, as you think of her, isn't real. So, why is her voice in your head when you pray or read your Bible, or schedule meetings at work, if she doesn't exist? How can you miss her so much so that it becomes a physical ache? How can you mourn over losing someone you never knew? How can you fall in love with a woman you've never even met? Thanks again for listening to the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. This has been What Dreams May Come by me, Alana Terry, narrated by Pamela Lawrence. This season of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast is sponsored by our fundraiser for COVID-19 relief work, which you can find out about more when you go to alanaterry.com slash novels. This page will have a link to our fundraiser for as long as it runs. I hope and pray that you stay safe and healthy. I want to thank you again for listening, and we'll talk to you real soon.